0: Today is Thursday, July 4th, 2019, time for episode 86 of the Barnhart podcast. And as you listen to those strains of the Liberty Bell March as we come into this podcast, and isn't it glorious that we live in the great United States and the land of freedom, the land of opportunity, the land of, well, all that is right?
1: No comment. Yeah, um, when when we were first chatting um, a, a, several hours ago now about recording this and what are we going to talk about? And, you know, the first gut, literally pit of your stomach gut reaction is, oh, this is, this is going to be difficult. And it gets more and more and more difficult every year because, of course, as we're now kind of all realizing um, and because we're being just punched in the face with it every day with drag queen story hours and 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 just basically the watching watching the civilization watch the watching the american civilization just fall fall to pieces before our eyes Um, oh but
0: our best lesbians are winning the the women's world cup it's okay right
1: (laughs) our best lesbians oh good grief (laughs) this is what i'm talking about this is exactly what i'm talking about it just gets harder and harder every year to you know put on put on the smiley face and wave the little flag and do the little things and just be rah rah Yippee gung-ho. Um, I just posted on the blog um, Just about an hour and a half ago before recording this um, I I after our conversation and thinking oh, this is gonna be awkward Yeah, I, I said I need to go back and look at that Patrick Henry speech um, and reread it and i recorded it i actually recited it and made a video of it and i posted the video and it's that seems like you know a complete lifetime ago now but i put it up there and just reading it and reading what it's saying in light of everything that's gone on is going on in the church. If you map what's going on in the church onto that Patrick Henry speech, I mean, you're just being beaten in the face with it. And it's just getting harder and harder and harder to reconcile and be super rah-rah excited about what you're now realizing is a is a project like the Nova Sordo. It, again, here's another a really good um, parallel that you can make. So the the Novus Ordo Mass is valid. I mean, as long as the words of consecration are said and et cetera, et cetera, we've all been through this before. We know the drill. Yeah. And um, for, it, all,
0: for all of our uh, set of a contest listeners, the- And there's a
1: bunch of you. There what's there up, are, y'all? What's up? Yeah. 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 Um,
0: for all of you set of a contest listeners, the words of consecration are valid. And for you, unfortunately- I mean, for us, fortunately, because think about this, from, I'll, I'll get back to it in a minute. Fortunately or unfortunately, the priests of the Novus Ordo and the bishops are valid. Yep. And this is fortunate. What's unfortunate is that they're actually consecrating
1: exactly the sacred exactly. species.
0: And what's fortunate is when everything hits the fan and all of your chosen priests that you drive 250 miles to go see on a weekly basis or, or every two weeks, when suddenly they're not available those local Nova sort priests can absolve you of your sins. Don't forget that. Seriously. Yeah. Don't forget that. Because at one yeah. point in time in my life, when I sailed under the red, white and blue, I would never have gone to a Nova sort priest. And I'm not even set of a contest, but that's one of the things I look back at my life and, and, and kind of shake my head and, and, and look at and say, I'm glad I have a little bit more clarity now about all this stuff. So when I talk to people I know who are joining the military or my own family, extended family members who are joining the military, I tell them, don't be afraid to go to these priests who don't say the Latin mass, who you may have to tell them specifically, this is the form of, of absolution. Just read this. And if you have to do the the, the namby-pamby thing, I'm saying, it makes me feel better if you say these words. If they're validly ordained, then almost all of them are, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, when they say the words of absolution, your sins are forgiven.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't be dumb guys. Don't, um, you know, greased in a car accident laying on the side of the road and, and some Catholic priest comes up to you and is, and Christ almighty is, is ready right there to shower his, his mercy on you. Do not be dumb, said Vacantis, and and turn away from that and say, No, you're blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, and make make all of your make all of your hope. P- please guys, just don't, don't be dumb. And, and super nerd and I now super nerd too, because he's getting stuff that comes into the podcast email box. And did you see the one this week? Do you know the one that I'm talking about? Did you read that? The one that was emailing about how, how completely stupid and what an idiot I am, blah, 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 blah. You look at the handle on the email address and you go look at this website. And I mean, we're talking about, I mean, this cat was into, um, that, that, all of reality is a um, is like the Matrix. It's all a it's all a holographic simulation. Um, every single cuckoo pants, completely insane thing. Um, of course, the 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 contrails, um, the the airplane exhaust. That's all chemicals being sprayed. All of that. That's pretty standard. But I mean, this thing went went into stuff that this guy's website went into stuff that was so categorically insane. And they're so lacking self-awareness. They're sending me emails saying, you're just making yourself look stupid. Well, you know, a lot of people say a lot of things about me. And some of it's true and a hell of a lot of it isn't. But I think one of the things it's really hard to argue is that, you know, for example, you look at my you look at my video presentation or whatever. I think it's hard to argue that I make myself look stupid. Um, You can argue that I'm an error. You can argue that I'm mistaken, et cetera, et cetera really, really tough guys, really, really tough to make a, a logical reasoned case based on observable reality that you see right there in both my writings and on the video that I'm making myself look stupid. Um, no, let me give you a a little point in, in, you know, rhetoric and argumentation. What you, what you say needs to make a modicum of sense and people should not instantly go, um, that's exactly contrary to the observable reality. If you want to come after me, come after me with with logical argumentation, canon law arguments, etc. Don't 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 say things like I make myself look stupid because you're not you're not winning anybody that way. And then when you know I I look at your email handle and you're you're talking about shape shifting hologram matrices of chemtrails. At that point, what? Who's making who look stupid? I mean, so that's just a little side ramp. But how we got off on this was, so the Novus Ordo was valid, but, but it was conceived in malice. What I think a lot of people are coming to realize as, you know, like I said, you've got drag queen story hours and people are being, children are being, um, hauled out of class and 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 expelled from school because they say things like you know There's two sexes male and female or something like that. I mean, it's just getting into this absolutely Totalitarian rejection of reality Um, I think what a lot of people are realizing is that this is all the natural progression Of the fact that the united states of america as much as we don't want to talk about it and we don't want to face it was founded by Freemasons, and was therefore conceived in a in a form of malice, because the objective of the Freemasons is to wage war against Jesus Christ and His Holy Catholic Church.
0: Well, and um, as you are very very fond of saying, anybody who's listening to this podcast has heard this phrase more than once, but probably more than ten times. If if you have a base false premise you're going Mm -hmm. to have a problem in any conclusion you reach that's right and when you look back at the united states how was it founded it was founded on the rejection of a monarchy now granted the english monarchy separated itself from the papacy so as catholic americans we could look back at that and say well yeah, of course separating yourself from a protestant is fine except that that's not what the founders were thinking Their foundation was, or their thinking was, we're going to separate from a monarch. And even though that monarch is Protestant, they still celebrate the fact that they reign by the grace of God. And if you look at the coronation oath of Queen Elizabeth, it is ruler of the Church of England by the grace of God. And there's 40 other titles. I can't remember. Maybe I can find it in the show notes. and put Defender it in.
1: of the faith is the one that I find the most right. ironic. Thing. Well, yeah.
0: that title was given to Henry the eighth by the Pope at the time. Yeah. So at the time it was valid, but the point is we threw off a monarchy that recognized that the power by which the monarch ruled came from above. And we mm-hmm. said that the power of the ruler comes from the consent of the governed. In other words, we didn't have authority coming from the top down, from heaven down to earth, but from the bottom up. And
1: and now think, we're seeing what that bottom is. Yeah. And, and
0: think about yeah. where that bottom might actually be. Yeah. We were founded by Freemasons. The, the, when yeah. I say we, I'm talking about the United States of America. And something that's very poignant to think about is when you when you look back at Fatima, the Fatima apparition during July of nineteen seventeen, that was the month that Our Lady showed the children the vision of hell and talked about talked about the the, the, the errors of Russia spreading around the world
1: mm-hmm.
0: if Russia was not consecrated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Are the errors of Russia particular to Russia, or are they the errors of Freemason or uh, of the Freemason errors?
1: Sect. yeah and so and so now if you do you have to be careful researching this because there's stuff that's credible that and there's stuff that isn't but what you do realize and there's a lot of you know the a, a lot of the set of also tend to be anti-semites i just got another email from one not too long ago who was you know going on and on and on about the j-o-o-o-o-z's and you know the christ killers and as i always do when i get one of those i respond and say i'm sorry sir you're mistaken i killed christ
0: one of the points where mel gibson was absolutely correct he was interviewed by somebody after the um i think it was before the publication of the passion of the christ and Mm -hmm. saying who killed the jews and he said i did
1: who killed the jews
0: yeah i'm sorry
1: who killed Christ? Who killed who killed Christ? Exactly. Exactly. That that's the point. And I've talked about this before at the consecration of the chalice. What what do you say at the consecration of the chalice? My Lord and my God, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. You take that, you take that cry of the Jews who are the proxy for all of, for everybody, for the entirety of mankind, and God in his loving mercy takes that, takes that and turns it into the most, the the most achingly beautiful um, testament to God's love let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And when the, when the chalice is elevated angels come and they dip branches of hyssop into the chalice and they are, they are, uh, scattering the the precious blood all over the world. Every time that the, that the chalice, that the chalice is consecrated and elevated, um, you know, in, in the, um, supernatural celestial dimension and sense and sense of course, but, um, but that they are doing that. the inter- The entire Church Triumphant is present at every Mass, and the angels are are uh, what's the what's the verb? Um, well, sprinkling is one word, but there's a more formal word that's used, especially in the Old Testament. Anyway, um, they're sprinkling the the entire world, the universe, with the precious blood, and that what that comes from is that taking of the declaration of man of whom the, the the Jewish race is the proxy. And there they are standing in Pilate's courtyard shouting down, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And God loves us so much that he says, okay, all right, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And that is how you will be saved. That is how you will be redeemed. That is how you will be saved. So you've got the, the Novus Ordo conceived in malice. You also have the United States of America conceived in malice, and yes, back to the heirs of Russia. If you want to get into this whole, if you do want to be honest about this, what are the roots of Freemasonry? Because guys, the first lodge, the first Freemasonic lodge was founded in London in 1717. It's It's not terribly old in and of itself. But what what did it come out? Of? I mean, it just didn't come out of nowhere. What are the roots of this? Well, here we go. This is the truth. This isn't this isn't tin hat conspiracy theory crap. Its roots comes out of kabbalic uh, post. Post Judaism, and you you might recognize the word Kabbalah. All the people in Hollywood, like Ma- the dread, the dread, the dread strumpet Chaconi, Madonna, the pop singer, she's the first one to make it popular. Now they're oh they're all into um, Kabbalah and Kabbalic mysticism and all of this. Yeah, Masonry comes out of Kabbalah, as was being. Um, practiced by Jews in Russia and Eastern Europe mostly. And then it found its way in and it's this form of Gnosticism. But whenever you get into these forms, um, first of all, obviously false religion. So, you know, it's it only leads to hell. It only leads to hell. And then when you get into these, you know, people with Genetic populations that tend to have above average IQs, they're going to get into Gnosticism. I mean, they're just going to get into Gnosticism. It's almost a, you can see that freight train coming a mile away. So you get into this Gnosticism and what that always turns into and what it absolutely is in Freemasonry and in contemporary Freemasonry today is Satanism. Satanism isn't just sitting off isolated by itself. What Satanism actually is is that it's it's Freemasonry taken to the ultimate practice of it. So think of Freemasonry as like minor leagues or bush league, and then people saying, "Well, wait just a damn minute, Anne. My grandfather is a, is was a Freemason, whatever." Well, yeah, mine was too. Um, again, I, I've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating. There is a huge Difference between Freemasonry in Europe and Freemasonry in the United States. Not to say that there aren't Satanists and these these horrible people who are who are high level Masons in the United States. Absolutely, it's mostly on the East Coast and and in the big cities. Um, what the guys like, you know, the Lodge that that my grandfather was a member of a hundred years ago in the middle of Kansas. What were those guys doing? They were getting together, drinking coffee, playing cards, socializing, doing, um, you know, fundraising for philanthropic projects, so on and so forth. Did they do the creepy, um, the creepy uh, rituals and so forth? Yeah, they did. They did, and I know because I was in Job's daughters for about six months when I was thirteen. I had no idea what the hell. There were just girls at school that were in this and. And actually girls in Sundays that I was in Sunday school with who are in this. They said, oh, you, do you want to do this? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Blah, blah, blah. So I go and I go and join this thing. And I called BS on it in about in six months. Like this is this is weird. This is wrong that you don't allow Catholics. You don't. And at the time, this is in about 1980. What would have been? 89, 89 or ninety. Um, yeah, because I was 13. Um, no blacks blacks were not allowed. And so I was like, what in the hell is going on here? This isn't right. They're having these dances. They're, they've got, they're inviting the Demolay bo- teenage boys to these dances. The older girls and the Demolay boys were sexually active which, with each other and all the adults. I mean, it was obvious. It was obvious. They would slow dance in the dark and just sit there and play tonsil hockey with the, with the adults sitting there watching, um, There was a lot of talk about, about sex with the adults. You know, they were, and it was all being done in the guise of, I don't know, sexual education and educating, educating kids about sexually transmitted diseases and not getting pregnant and all this. But it was, it just ended up being people sitting around, adults sitting around with a bunch of little girls talking about sex and then brokering these, these dances with the Malay boys. And the girls were all sexually active with the boys, which is gross. And I, I cut out. The old men who are masons in the central U.S., I think most of them are just rubes. And they're paying dues into the the Grand Lodge, whatever. And that, that money goes to subsidize all the stuff that's going on on the East Coast. Over in Europe, it's a completely different ballgame. It is a highly, highly political... Um, Boy, I just can't emphasize that enough. I mean, it is it is political and it is overtly one hundred percent opposed to the Catholic Church. Well, they know they st- know
0: exactly what they're fighting in Europe.
1: Yeah, yeah. The Americans don't don't really have any idea because there isn't that sense in the US, you know, because the Catholic Church was never in the United States, it was never that kind of driving I mean, just massive social force. I mean if you look at countries like France and Italy and Spain and Portugal where the where the population has just been basically 100% catholic for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries and massive amounts of power and and so on and so forth. That that dynamic just really didn't exist as much in the US. Now yeah, there were powerful powerful sees in the US, obviously New York City, Philadelphia, Chicago, et cetera, sure, but we're it's it's not anything like the the European dynamic, and so there was never that sense in the u s of there needs to be there was never this this tribe that formed that said we have to we have to fight to destroy the Catholic Church. It just kind of you know shrug the damn Catholics, whatever who cares about them, especially when you get into highly Protestant areas of the United States, which you know where I grew up in Kansas was you know almost completely Protestant. Yeah, there are Catholic parishes, but there was just there just wasn't much to it. So um,
0: it also doesn't help that American Catholics weren't all that exemplary for the most part.
1: Well, exactly, exactly. So but that's that's the big precision and what you have to understand, and it's still that way, and it's exactly what's going on. and it's just it's stomach churning to say, okay, we have to, it's the 4th of July, we're celebrating the founding of a Freemasonic Republic. And what we are now seeing, I mean, seriously, I just put out my part two lecture video on the whole, you know, Pope Benedict's resignation, that question, the Bergoglian anti-papacy, all that. The thing is literally named the Freemasonic Teutonic attack, final attack on the Petrine Sea. And so, I mean, you, it's really, really tough to be able to pigeonhole and car- compartmentalize things to such, a, such an extent that what do you expect me to like be ex- exposing this Freemasonic attack on Holy Mother Church, which gives every indication of being a run up into the end times Bergoglio Uh, I lay sporting, sporting odds that the guy is the actual false prophet forerunner of the Antichrist installed by a Freemasonic coup, which usurped the Petrine Sea. And then you want me to turn around and say, oh, yay, America, Freemasonic Republic. Oh, yeah, let's let's celebrate. I mean, it's I'm not capable of that kind of that kind of cognitive dissonance so that's and i'm sure there's a lot of other people out there too who maybe aren't as maybe aren't as far, far along in this process as i am maybe there's people out there listening who are even farther along in this process than I than i am but um yeah it's it's getting to be it's basically impossible to reconcile the two things anymore
0: well and th- it reminds me of a article that was written a thousand years ago or no last millennium no, it wasn't a thousand years ago only 20 mm. years ago um, yep. by uh, Bishop Richard Williamson, who used to be in the SSPX. I mean, he was and very, he's the
1: Holocaust denier one. Yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, he, the, he writes some brilliant stuff, but then, you know, just shoots his mouth off and says something absolutely categorically insane, like the Holocaust didn't happen, or they only killed a few thousand of them. It's like, dude, come on.
0: Yeah, and you just, Go ahead. You just put it in a nutshell who Richard Williamson is. He says some very brilliant things, and he says some really dumbass-tastic things.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: one of the brilliant things he he, uh, said in one of his letters, he was the rector of the seminary in the U.S. for a while, and he had an article about the good liberals versus the bad liberals, and talking about how there's the differentiation between the good liberals who believe that anybody should be able to do whatever they want, including traditional Catholics, worshiping God the way they always have, versus the bad liberals who say everybody should do whatever they want except for you people who are doing the truth. And we need mm-hmm. to shut you down at any cost possible. And if you look at you know what's going on in political discourse these days, there's definitely a tendency to think that maybe those people who are the bad liberals are uh, gaining an upper sway. Um, it's an open question whether it, they're actually going after people on YouTube and social media for political reasons or because they're trying to protect their brand safe space. We'll have to talk about that another on a Financial Friday. Actually, that it. it This is really something that uh, we should dive into more. But the whole point of of liberals, we're still all on the left side of things. So never never mind whether you have good liberals or bad liberals. We shouldn't have liberals at all uh, making the calls and all this thing. We should be looking at what is best for the kingship of Christ. We should be recognizing the fact that Christ should be reigning as king. And the liberals don't. Full stop. It doesn't matter whether they're good or bad liberals. They don't recognize that Christ should even be king to begin with.
1: Absolutely. And everyone out there listening who is remotely our age, who went to public schools can testify, and probably to Catholic schools too, can absolutely testify to the fact that it was beaten into our consciousness that all monarchy is intrinsically evil. Monarchy is bad. Um, the American Revolution, the French Revolution, these were glorious leaps forward for all of humanity because it was destroying monarchy. And how how in the world do you reconcile that to the kingship of Christ and to the papacy? Dun dun. dun, dun and here we sit. Here we sit, we have the documents, we know what we have, the Alta Vendita, we have the documentation from World War One. when the Freemasons who are running the show, they're running that war and they've been running most wars ever since, guys, have been, their agenda was explicitly, we will destroy monarchy off the face of this planet and we have to do this in order to eventually get the final monarch on earth who is non-divine, which is of course the Pope, but the Pope has this supernatural negative protection. So lo and behold, what do what do we see? We see this Freemasonic attack on Pope Benedict, but because the papacy has this supernatural negative protection, I think I'm absolutely convinced that it's the, the divine providence using Ratzinger's error, using Ratzinger's messed up mind about the papacy itself that enabled this whole (laughs) non partial abdication, non abdication. And it's also visible. I mean, he's just, he's sitting right there in front of God and everybody. And, um, it, it, I, I'm, I really worry about people who are subscribing to these theories that people are putting out saying that this is all some supreme masterstroke by Pope Benedict. He knew exactly what he was doing. He tricked them. He showed them that. No, 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 no. Guys, guys, have you not read, have you not read the writings of Ratzinger? Have you not read the German theological Academy? I've been linking to this stuff now for, we've been linking to this stuff now for you know, working on a year, We're getting close. We're getting close. No, no. the the Grand Master stroke and the Grand Master plan and all of this is the divine providence. Please don't set yourself up for some massive letdown and allowing yourself to be scandalized by subscribing to this false premise that this is all this is all this incredibly elaborate plan hatched by Ratzinger. No, it is God writing straight on some of the most crooked lines in the 2000 year year history of the church, but yet look at the visibility of it. That's, That's what I see. And again, what do we see? Who is behind all of it? Freemasons, Freemasons, Freemasons. What is the agenda of Freemasonry? One world religion, one world government they've had control of the european secular governments for well a lot of people argue they've had control of europe for 100 years i mean full on control since world war 1 hard to argue with that um, and they've they've had the united states in in the document in the letter from germany of of 100 years ago from november of 1918 it explicitly says the freemasons came told us we are deposing all um, we're deposing all monarchs, and we are going to establish a, a centralized control me- mechanism backed by American big capital.
0: And don't uh, forget that deposing monarchs is a way of throwing a middle finger at God, because can mm-hmm. you name a monarch who isn't Muslim? Even the Muslims. Can you name a monarch who doesn't say that their authority to govern comes from God?
1: and it's it's also right there in the Bible, too. Um, the authority comes from God, and this I, I should oh, I need to put this in the show notes to repost the um repost the essay about, you know, where it says the the authority comes from God, but here here is here are the limits on that. It is to do good. It is for it is to advance the cause of justice. It is to, you know, enforce just laws, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole list of. Of criteria, it isn't just this stupid, idiotic, blind. Um, you can put up with anything. Oh, the other thing that I'll post is we'll find um Thomas Aquinas, um, de Regnum on on Kings and um, fascinating read. And you know, typical Thomas, it's it, it just makes. It makes perfect sense and practical sense, and he walks through it very logically. And one of the things that he says, and this is a huge point, is that if you are going to commit tyrannicide, if you have a tyrant monarch, for example, and it comes to it, and you all decide that this guy needs to be this guy needs to be sent to um, sent to his particular judgment sooner rather than later, um, you better make damn sure that you've got the next iteration of power, waiting in the waiting in the wings, organized, ready to go. Don't you dare go kill a tyrant king and not have your ducks in a row, because what you will end up with will be 10 times worse than the one that you just killed. And if you think about it, it's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. You you got to be ready to go. And that is one thing that you can say about the American Revolution, is that they they were prepared they were ready to go with a government to immediately step into the breach there was no interstitial period of anarchy lawlessness no government none of that it's i mean we all sat around and studied studied the conventions and the you know the state houses and all of this and they're all sitting around planning How are we going to have a smooth continuance of government? What is this new government going to look like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You have to concede that there wasn't just the, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to fight a war against the English. And then we're all going to be sitting around looking at each other. And there was a considerable amount of tension and massive disagreement amongst what are now called the American founding fathers. For example, as I was reviewing the Patrick Henry speech, which, you know, I reposted, like I said, on the blog, um, Patrick Henry hated, hated Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. Um, Patrick Henry was vehemently against ratifying the constitution as it was, as it was ratified. That he thought that it was woefully inadequate and it needed much, much more work on it. And he was vehemently opposed to it. Um, so you know, the thought that all those guys were were all completely of the same mind. no, the the debate amongst them was extraordinarily robust, which is actually kind of counts in its favor. Um, it would be it would be even more suspicious and 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 probably far, far more nefarious if they had all been somehow on the same page. The fact that they were fighting it out amongst each other and having vigorous debate about, you know these forms of governance and political systems and and so on and so forth is actually that's that's good um
0: yeah, because usually when you have four humans involved making decision, there's five arguments in play
1: <laughs> well said exactly, and it also should be said that um the the American form of government constitution et cetera et cetera um these things were not being, shall we say, sketched out on the back of a napkin in a dive restaurant in in Rome, like the Novus Ordo Mass was. Um, this stuff was all agonized over. They were all constantly meeting. It was a it was a rigorous process. It was a rigorous intellectual process that they went through, and it wasn't you know two fags in a restaurant in Trastevere, which is what the the um, Novus Ordo Mass was so there you go in terms
0: of hashing out the constitution you and i have gone back and forth on this because you i'm pretty sure it was you uh that uh, i had the argument with you that washington was not the first president it was a dude named harrison and i want to say it was john harrison because when the revolution of the united states was accomplished we were not under the constitution we were under the the articles of confederation Right, right. And the president in that case was the president of the Articles of Confederation or whatever it was at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And it took him only a couple of years to figure out that uh, the Articles of Confederation would be a quick means to civil war if we don't either centralize a little bit more power in Washington to pay off our war debts and uh, accomplish some things. Or we're just going to have to contact King George and say, sorry about all that, but uh, can we kindly become uh, a colony again? Because we can't manage things on our own. The, yeah. the Articles of Confederation are held up by libertarians as being some glorious golden ideal. But if you look at the political realities of the time, and I'll find the book to reference in the show notes. Go, go look there because I can't remember the, the title off the top of my head. It was an absolute dumpster fire at the time. And maybe in an ideal world where there were no debts, the Articles of, of Confederation might have worked. But the political reality of the time in the 1780s, it could not have worked, period.
1: Well, and that's, it's interesting you say that because Patrick Henry, that was one of his things. He was vehemently opposed to the federal government assuming the debts of the states coming out of the Revolutionary War. He thought that he foresaw this as and uh, this would be used as a leverage. It will be used as an attack on states' rights, et cetera, et cetera. So Henry has a lot of um sympathizers and and partisans in the South, obviously, because it is. He was arguing from the very, very beginning, the federal government has no no ability to. It shouldn't have any jurisdiction. It has no business taking on and assuming unto itself these debts of the individual states because, it, it looks good. It might feel good right now in real time. But 20, 30, 40, 50 years hence, this is going to turn into dun, 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 what turned out to be the American Civil War precisely. So, yeah, it's, it's all very interesting.
0: Well, and if you go back and look through history, anytime things go wrong, it's because we had to get together to pass temporary emergency measures to raise money or consolidate power for the purpose of fighting a war. If yeah. people weren't fighting wars, we wouldn't have all these problems. And if you look at Catholic theology, it's commonly said that war is a punishment for sin. Yeah. So all this crap we're going through, thanks, Adam. Well, mm-hmm. not the Adam I actually know in real life. I'm talking about the Adam back in the Garden of Eden 6,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's the result of original sin that we have wars. And so if everyone was angels, of course, we wouldn't have these problems. But we're not angels. And so the whole idea of trying to bring more power to ourselves and talking about 4th of July here in the United States, ultimately, that's the theme here today. You know, is that really the right thing? Did we really do a good thing by throwing off a tyrant? And At least in our case, we didn't kill a tyrant or kill a king in order to set up our own government. We just said, hey, you know what? There's 3,000 w- miles of water between you and yeah. me. We're going to set up our own thing. We're not going to recognize you anymore. And we're certainly not going to be- pay taxes on tea anymore.
1: Yeah. And then what did, what happened? The Freemasons, because remember the first lodge was founded in London in 1717. It quickly crossed over into France. The Freemasons in France get into the court of who would have been Louis Fourteenth at that point. They get into the court of Louis Fourteenth, and they're agitating, 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 then into the court of Louis Fifteenth, And what do they do? They see this opportunity over across the Atlantic to foment a free Ma- the formation of a Freemasonic free republic, which is what they want ultimately to do to France. They want exactly the same in France, and of course they got it with their bloody French Revolution. But they they start it first by saying we're going to go over and we are going to help these Americans fight against the British. And so the reason why, basically, the French Revolution happened, why Louis Sixteenth, who he was the one that was married to Marie Antoinette and they were beheaded and all of that. Um, so they're living... Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette are living in opulence because the, Freemace, the Freemasons have, been, have convinced Louis XV and then the very young Louis XVI when he ascended, they're telling him, We have to be sending all of these resources and spending all of this money on the American Revolution. And so they drove France into horrible, horrible debt messing around subsidizing the formation of the American free Masonic Republic that then intentionally driving their own country into destitute poverty. Then the dirty backstabbing SOBs turn around point at this kid, Louis the 16th and his, and his dippy wife who likes, you know, who likes fancy clothes and shoes and so on and so forth, and points to them, double crosses them, and says, blame him, it's, it's him, it's the king. He's the one who's done all this. The truth of the matter is that the Freemasons were just using them. You to uh, you know convinced Louis the fifteenth, who was an older man, obviously, and you know needed some convincing. Louis the sixteenth was just young and dumb and just did what he was told. They're saying, "Yeah, we have to do this. We have to, we have to help the Americans. We have to help the Americans." And you know, Louis the sixteenth is like, "Uh oh, okay, fine. Can I go hunting now?" You know, and so they double crossed him, blame the king, blame Queen Marie Antoinette, and they killed them. And that's. They got then they got their French Revolution and that was oh man oh man was that bad and I, again you can watch my uh, my presentation on the Vendee Genocide and all of that and it's just the things that they did and the, the atrocities in the French Revolution are just are just stunning they're staggering what what Catholic people could do as soon as as soon as those people would apostatize and declare themselves atheist Freemasons the things that they would do to people who were just their neighbors, like literally a matter of a few months before they were just their neighbors and then they're committing atrocities against them that are just it's unbelievable that humans can do things like that to each other. But if they needed that American revolution first and the American Revolution so sowed that sowed and fertilized that bed for the French Revolution that and the French Revolution was the real hardcore foothold the Freemasons getting that that true foothold on the European continent. And then from there, you know, Italy went, it just the whole thing went. Every monarch was deposed. And now here we are sitting here in 2019 and we're watching the final iteration of all of this damn mess. And it, in, it ends, it ends right here. We know the victory is ours, but that doesn't mean that we go hide. It means we, we fight all the harder because we know the victory is ours. Um, but that's what's happening right now in Rome, in Vatican City. Um, it's the final attempted uh, destruction of the papacy, which is not just an absolute monarchy. It's an absolute monarchy with a supernatural protection. And see, that's, that's gonna be how their downfall because most of them don't believe, most of them don't have any supernatural faith at all. They, Freemasonry, in the step right before it gets to the actual worshiping of Satan, what it is, is it's the worshiping of man. It's the fraternity of man. It's um, it's a sense of, you know, I'm God, you're God altogether. We're God. The universe is God. Deism, you know, uh, maybe there's some watchmaker, watchmaker, God who's watching all this, but d- doesn't give a crap about any of us or any of this. He made the universe and now he's just off chilling somewhere and he doesn't care um, so there's a lot of deists running around, um, but a lot of them are atheists, and they say the only the only true spark of quote unquote divine with a lowercase d that there is is the mind of man, and so that's what Freemasonry at that. Just under the level of Satanism, that's what they're that's what they're trying to convince themselves. So a lot of them don't believe that the papacy has any supernatural protection at all. They don't believe that there's any super supernatural dynamic here. It's all just a matter of pure earthly power politics. And you can steamroll them. And, you know, if you've got this near 100 percent infiltration of sodomites into the Vatican, which there is, Um, then, you know, how, how can we, how can we not lose or excuse me? How can we not win? How can we not win? They say to themselves, we have everything. We have absolutely everything. We have all the power, everything. We have the media, et cetera, et cetera. We have the bankers, we have the politicians, we have everything. And what they don't ever put into their calculus is the supernatural that our Lord and his mother are, <laughs> our, our our Lord's mother is holding back the right arm of his wrath, and at some point she's gonna say, "All right, it's I'm not holding it back anymore." And then it, not all hell's gonna break loose. All heaven is gonna break loose. All heaven is gonna break loose, and. They will be vanquished, the situation will be resolved. And every single one of us, including all of us who are sitting here thinking, talking, writing, researching all of this all day, every day, I can promise you this. Every single one of us will be slack-jawed, gobsmacked. I cannot believe what just happened. We are going to be, we are going to be shocked at how the victory comes to us and how it plays out precisely because these supernatural interventions and so forth are basically you can't anticipate them that's that's part of the point you know they can't be anticipated um so when it happens even we will be shocked at how it plays out but in the meantime we just keep fighting we just keep chugging along and then when it happens it happens and if it doesn't happen until after we're dead well then oh well we'll do as much as we can during the course of our lives and you know hopefully that we we set a good solid foundation for the next generation or however many it is although oh i pray god i pray god that it happens fast
0: and i'm furiously trying to google here some items behind the scenes because i'm, I'm trying to figure out i mentioned that a, a link to a book that i'm I'm trying to look up at the same time i want to say it might be valiant ambition which is about the founding of the united states but it goes back long before 1776 but the point I wanted to bring together here was the whole idea of war as, as the punishment for sin. Mm-hmm. And the the real genesis for the Revolutionary War in the United States was the crippling war debts that came about as the French-American and American War, or the French-Indian War, which mm-hmm. came about as a result of the argument over who had succession of Spain. It was an argument between the House of Habsburg and the House of Bourbon, if I remember correctly. And this was referred to the Pope, and he said, I don't want to decide this. This was Clement the ninth. If or Clement the 11th, I'm, I'm XI. I'm looking at my screen here. Okay. Um, I don't like Roman numerals, by the way. I like, I like Arabic numerals. <laughs> um, pope Clement, whatever, whatever pope it was, he said, I'm not going to take a position on this. You all figure it out. And as a result, they decided to go to war and it became a global war. Any anywhere there was forces of the English and versus the French or the Spanish. And I forget how all the, the, the alliances went but that was the precursor it all the pope could have decided this but he didn't and so we had the french and indian war in the united states and all of the debts that accrued to the british as a result of fighting this war and they said okay fine we're going to tax your tea and everything else we need to make up all this stuff that we just paid for for this global war against the french and the americans said "Ah, no middle fingers to you we're doing our own country kind of thing and contrast this to, uh, if I had my church history better figured out, maybe you'll know the names off the top of, my head, off the top of your head. Uh, was it Charles IV, uh, Holy Roman Emperor, who was, um, I don't even know what he did to the Pope. And I can't remember the name of the Pope off the top of my head. But he did something that was not right. And the Pope had a backbone at the time and excommunicated him. And mm-hmm. the, the reality of excommunication at the time, this is like the 11th or 12th century, was yeah. that once the monarch or the Holy Roman Emperor... Was excommunicated, all oaths of fealty to him were null. So if you had a beef with him, you could almost legally kill him, or maybe literally, if you literally feel like you could kill him and could justify it in court, um, you could kill him. And so the whole idea of an excommunication was could it really could be a death sentence to somebody? And Mm -hmm. so this guy marched to the or quickly as fast as he could. Marching would been too slow went to wherever the Pope was at the time. And I want to say it was in Switzerland because it was in the snow and he knelt and prayed and pleaded for three days to have the excommunication lifted. And he finally did. I mean, the Pope had a backbone at the time and exercised his power of the keys accordingly. Yeah. As opposed to the Pope at the time when the Habsburgs and the Bourbons couldn't figure out who should take over Spain. He said, Oh, y'all figure it out. And war happened. And the free Masonic Republic of the United States happened as a result because the people in the United States at the time, who were the progenitors of the Revolutionary War, all things being equal, they were happy being British citizens, mm-hmm. being, being British subjects. But it was the oppressive taxation and and treatment as second and third class citizens because, oh, you're just a, a tax colony to be to be harvested. Okay, that wasn't very smart on the on the part of King George. But yet still. Had that but it goes ha-
1: back to the moral failing of Clement the Eleventh, who presumably for fear of if if he had made a strong decision, which he should have, if he had made a strong decision, one side or the other would have hated him, and so he was he was effeminate and slothful, he didn't want to do something because it would be difficult, which is that would be sloth, and he didn't want to do something because it would presumably jeopardize his his power his personal security comfort etc um, etc cetera, et cetera. and so he be he was weak and he declined to make a decision and so he in that failure in virility that failure in potency that failure to live out his his charism as an absolute monarch the absolute monarch over the other monarchs of of europe and i mean as you've pointed out the the pope's jurisdiction is the entire universe so well at um, the
0: time the Habsburgs would have been the holy roman emperors and even at the time as well the bourbons would have been subject to the pope Uh, and gladly so and i don't think it was a matter of fear i think it was a matter of disinterest he didn't see this as a big deal who who cares who's governing spain they're a catholic country y'all can figure it out I, from my reading of history, and I may be wrong on this, and podcast at Barnhart.biz educate me if I'm wrong. Um, my understanding was he didn't see this as a big issue, and therefore or he didn't
1: see the North American landmass as a big deal. I mean, well, come that on. was a
0: collateral I mean. thing that happened because Spain and France and and England all got into war with each other, and I forget whose side who was. Everybody was on. It was it got to be a dumpster fire of a dog's breakfast, as you've said in the past. Mm. Uh, The American continent was not part of the consideration. It just happened to be that when French and English went to war with each other, it was globally, wherever French and English found each other, go to war. And that happened in the North American continent. And that had Freemasonic repercussions that we're still feeling today. But if the Pope would have put his foot down and said, no, the House of Bourbon has Spain, the King of Spain will be Bourbon, that would have been the end of it, or vice versa. That would have been the end of it. Yeah. But he didn't make a decision. I don't think it was out of fear. I think it was out of disinterest. I think he was a stamp collector or some kind of historian or something like that. He didn't want to be bothered from his historical interest as mm. opposed to, you well, know, in terms of weaknesses and foibles, I wish we had a Pope that only had that.
1: Right. <laughs> would that it were. Would that it were. But, I mean, it, that's another interesting parallel in that, you know, You can say about Pope Ratzinger that he he is this incredibly cerebral uh, person um, who wanted only ever to be you know a theologian, a scholar, et cetera, et cetera, and was put in this position of being the absolute monarch of absolute monarchs on earth and having having these administrative responsibilities. And not only do I think was he not not interested in the, the, the administrative aspects of things, obviously. But I also think that when he saw how bad the situation was and how severe the infiltration was and just how many sodomites there were and what a powerful, ruthless, murderous, uh, mafia that they are, that he despaired. And he just, he didn't have that strength of character that you need to be, um, it's well said, little bit of language here, little bit of language, but it's kind of cutesy more than anything. You know, what we need right now is, um, you know, assuming that that you you clear the deck and there there is no living Pope, a valid conclave called, and you need Pope Son of a Bitch the first is what you need. Or you have St. Peter and Paul appear in the sky with flaming swords and point at you, you guy right there and shaft of light shines on him and your papal name shall be Pope son of a bitch the first. And that's that's what we need right now. We need a guy who will start excommunicating, who will start, if not taking red hats, if not just entirely liquidating the entire college of cardinals. And by liquidating, I don't mean murder. I just mean, you know, start, start over, take everyone's hat and just start over from scratch. Same thing with the entire Roman Curia. Same thing with all the bishops conferences. I mean, I could... That is that is the level that we need to go to. We need to just clear the deck and start over. And you don't need nearly as many of these of these prelates as what it, the bloated thing has become now. You could have a college of 12 cardinals and you could have just a handful of bishops, relatively speaking. You don't need thousands and thousands of bishops. And you need to be doing things that, which was very common up until not too terribly long ago. I mean, good grief. How old was General, General, General George Armstrong Custer when he died at Little Bighorn? Twenty, I'm going to say six, maybe, maybe 26. General, this guy was a general. You need to start, Pope Son of a Bitch the First needs to start doing these field promotions. Go find Priests and I don't I don't care if they aren't even 30 yet. Do they have the faith? Do do they believe? Will they take the oath against modernism? Do they actually believe? Can can they name the Ten Commandments? I mean, we don't need to put the bar terribly high here at this point, folks, but tell me that we can't find a relatively few good men to, to use a, a, a cliched phrase that we can't find a relatively few good men to repopulate um, the, the, the prelature of the church With sure we can. But the thing that's interesting is that, yeah, we do need Pope son of a bitch the first. And you say, well, well, a lot of people would say, well, and that's, that's what Bergoglio is now. No Bergoglio (laughs)
0: That's a completely yeah, different yeah, it's, kind of scenario, it, bitch. It's
1: a, completely, it's a completely different. That's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about a good holy man who is willing to knock heads and who actually is validly the Pope and thus has the supernatural protections. And, you know, I'm I, I don't know, maybe a lot of people are gonna be shocked that we aren't discussing in this episode in great depth the fact that Bergoglio just gave the relics of St. Peter to the um patriarch of the schismatic patriarch of Constantinople. Um, yeah, that's absolutely stunning, but at the same time, guys, I mean, what, what do you expect? What do you expect? We've been talking about this for years now, and we're now in the, um, our faces are being rubbed in it on a daily basis, and it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse before it gets better. The other thing, I just, a couple very quick points as a side tangent to make about the relics of St. Peter being sent to Constantinople. Again, God writes straight on crooked lines. And so there's two things. Number one is we all might be grateful that those um, relics went on that detour because of the malevolence of anti-Pope Bergoglio if Rome is destroyed. What if Rome is destroyed? St. Peter's is destroyed. The ossuary beneath the, the high altar at St. Peter's is destroyed. Well, now guess what? We're going to have there's relics now somewhere else off site. So just just keep things like that in your consciousness. The other thing is, is give St. Peter a chance. If St. Peter is going to be going on a a little work and vacay to Constantinople, well, maybe that means that all of us remaining Catholics should be enjoining St. Peter to ask our Lord to effect some sort of a genuine, real reconciliation and that the schismatic... Eastern Orthodox come back into full union with with Peter legitimately, and maybe the fact that his relics are going to be in Constantinople for hopefully a short time, that that will be, you know, this supernatural impetus for these things to happen, and history will look back on this and say, oh, okay, so the relics of Peter, some of the relics of Peter were saved because Rome was destroyed. And then B, look at this eventually history now bears out that this was one of the things that you can point to that was the beginning of the return of the schismatic Eastern Orthodox to full communion with Peter. So just you know, keep an open mind about things like that. Don't, it, the thing that, that, that I've learned so well over the past several years is, man, don't be bad talking the divine providence. Don't, don't be running the divine providence down.
0: And don't forget she, the messages of Our Lady of Fatima for crying out loud. She said, through her intervention, Russia will be converted. Yeah. And when you say Russia, that's the entire Eastern Church. Exactly. Constantinople used to be the sea of importance, but Moscow is the one right now. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, um, Bergoglio Francis just met with uh, Putin today.
1: Yeah. I, I've not seen anything about how that went, but – and now – Moscow and Constantinople, I think just last year, it hasn't been very long. They've formally gone into full schism with a lowercase s with each other over Ukraine. Um, And then what does Bergoglio say? What it's been two weeks ago now. Let me guess. He says,
0: who am I to judge?
1: Uh, no, he says it, when he was in Romania talking to the Romanian Orthodox that Uniatism, which means Eastern Byzantine Rite Catholics, Ukrainian Greek Catholics, any of the Greek Greek Catholics who are in union with Peter, so they're fully Catholic and I mean just one hundred percent Catholic. They just say the Divine Liturgy in the Rite of Saint John Chrysostom or whatever, um, or Saint Basil, but I think most of them are John Chrysostom. Okay, but they're 100% Catholic. They're in union with Rome and they're called Uniates. Anti Pope Bergoglio said that Uniatism is now illicit. It's no longer licit. And so he just threw all of the Yuki Catholics. Hello, Canadian listeners, all you Canadian Yuki, um, Ukrainian Greek Catholics up there. He just said that Uniatism, you guys are illicit, and what w- understand what that means, let let those who have ears hear, that means you either Latinize, quote unquote, and get in union with his anti-church, you have to follow him into his anti-church, or you go into schism and go Eastern Orthodox and do, you know, Orthodox, Russian Orthodox Church outside of Russia or whatever it is that you want to do, or Ukrainian Orthodox Church. So what, what is the chessboard that Satan has set and that anti-Pope Bergoglio, what is, this, what is this ultimatum he's giving you? Eastern Catholics, he's saying either Latinize and follow me into my anti-church or go into schism with the Eastern Orthodox. But either way, what is he saying? You have to go into schism. You have to schism somehow or some way. The The only thing that is not tolerable, circling back to the point that you were making at the top of the podcast, is that um, the only thing that will not be tolerated is holding the one true faith and staying in the one true church. Ding! And there well, In we
0: terms of staying on topic of the podcast, I think we are so far off the topic because the whole... At least according to my notes, this is the America podcast, aren't it? America. Now we're talking about uh, Ukraine. (laughs) Yeah, now we're talking about Ukraine and Eastern Europe and uh, the history of the 1700s and uh, Pope Clement XI or IX, depending upon how well you can read uh, Roman numerals. Um, Yeah, we're way off topic. But uh, no, I did want to bring out, I had a couple of points. And in terms of, you know, at least for the United States audience, which I believe is the vast overwhelming majority of the podcast. Sure. Okay. So today we celebrate our independence. We look at the red, white, and blue of the flag. And of course, let's focus on the red for a minute. The red in our flag is supposed to be a representation of the blood that was shed in founding this nation. Interesting that this happens during the month of the precious blood. If we're going to pay attention to and give honor to any blood that was shed ever, that's the only one that matters. And today, on, the, on the, just the way the, the calendar falls, today is the uh, alternative feast of the Feast of the Eucharistic Heart of Jesus. So that is, I think, a very powerful statement. If if we're going to... Why would we want to shed blood for any reason? It's got to be for the faith. And in terms of staying in union and contact with anything real, substantial, and salvific, it is Christ in the Eucharist. And I don't know how many people follow Eucharistic miracles, but in a couple of cases um where the the host becomes living tissue and and the most recent case was in the 90s if i'm not mistaken it was a priest in south america literally had the host he was doubting whether or not the the present the real presence was real and at the words of consecration the host the bread became tissue and he freaked out and I, I don't know if they finished the mass or not but that's i guess it's immaterial to the story but the the um the artifacts were were well Christ's heart was was uh, preserved and without any explanation given about where this tissue sample came from, it was presented to some elite cardiologists at uh, New York University or some, some research uh, medical university M- in MIT New York. MIT
1: or something? No, it was yeah. in New York.
0: Okay. Be- and because the cardiologists, the whole team were, were Jews and this this is not having to do anything to do with jews I and mean, jwoz and all the rest no it just happens to be that they didn't have an axe to grind one way or the other but they weren't told and they were completely confused by the fact that they were told that this tissue sample was years like a decade old but it still had white blood cells in it which if if you know medicine those die within about an hour being separated from the body it looked like it had just been taken and they said it came not just from the heart but the part of the heart that has a property of filtering. So blood pumping through the heart uh, before it goes out to the rest of the body, has a, there's a filtration process where any impurities in the blood get separated out and, and then sent for disposal. And that was the cardiac tissue sample. Think about this for a minute. This came from a host. Not just the heart of Jesus, but the part of the heart that separates out and removes impurities. Uh. What is the Holy Eucharist and what does that do, to, do for us? It raises nature. It helps us overcome impurities. It helps us to become closer to God, more in contact with the supernatural. So I think it's very fitting, if for, and and when we started talking about this earlier today, I'm sorry. It's very fitting that this is the the Fourth of July this year, as the feast of the Eucharistic Heart of Jesus. When we started talking about the topic for this podcast earlier today, you weren't very uh, charged up about the idea. It's like I don't feel very patriotic given yeah. all that's going on. And I, I mentioned that Freemasonry was going to be part of the topic. And I said, you know, it, it's not about what the country is. It's where we're going to go with this. And yes, God writes straight with the most crooked of lines. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. God can make saints out using Hillary Clinton as, as a, as a tool if necessary. Mm-hmm. It There's, there's nothing beyond the power of God. And even though our country was founded in a way that is, morally repugnant when you really think about it. Look at the world today. I mean, I want to say that Pius Twelfth even cited the United States as being um, a bright light given what's going on in the world at the time, where the Catholic Church at least was not under persecution by the government at the time because the laws prohibited it. You cannot make laws prohibiting the free exercise of religion. Now, we're going to go after different things here, whether or not you uh, allow men to identify as women, and so on and so forth. There are different moral ways that can be attacked, but let's give uh, you know Pachelli the, ch- the 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 benefit of knowing that he didn't know this was going to be passed in the future. That's yeah. you know contrary to all kinds of common sense and reason.
1: It was unfathomable. What's going on now was was completely. They were not capable of even of forming fictitious. Uh, uh, unrealities in their mind about well, yeah, what's but, going on today.
0: But think about what was happening in Europe during the, during the reign of Pius XII. You had Mussolini in Italy. You had Hitler in Germany. You had, well, not at the very beginning of, of Pius XII's reign or shortly before it, you had the open warfare of the communists versus the Catholics in Spain. In Spain and it yeah. was it was a, it was wide open who was going to win that one. And yes, the Catholics under Franco did win, and Franco had a lot of vices himself, or at least it's been attributed to him because the Catholics won. It was not ideal in Europe by any stretch of the imagination. So the idea that you can't attack somebody simply because of the religion they hold, that's not bad considering the state in Europe at the time. It's not ideal either. The ideal situation is that the Catholic Church The Catholic religion is the true religion and has pride of place because it is the true religion. And all others can be tolerated to a certain extent, but you're not allowed to openly evangelize. That's the ideal situation. Yeah. And that hasn't been the case since, I don't know, 1516.
1: It's been a while. (laughs) It's been a long, long time. But it will be it will be restored. And I hope and pray that all of us listening today. Get to see it,
0: and in the in the spirit of going and blowing some things up, um, let's hope that in the um, in the providence of Christ, all of the people who are spreading errors can be blown up, and uh, in in the sense that we offer all of our thoughts, words, and actions. Uh, in our morning offerings to the greater honor, honor and glory of God and for our own salvation, as we blow up firecrackers and fireworks later today, just imagine all the errors and people spreading errors get blown up. Well, now granted that let's say let's say they save their souls at least, but because we want them all to go to heaven, but let's blow away all the errors. So yes, let's, let's
1: let's blow up the errors because we have to we have to be careful about this. We're not we don't want to wish a bad death upon anyone, um, but. Yeah, that all heirs be purged, <laughs> be purged from the face of the earth because remember, air has no rights. So it should be eliminated with the utmost zeal and force. We should all strive for that every day.
0: yeah, and let's let's definitely look forward to the day that when we celebrate the red, white, and blue in the United States, it's red for the Sacred Heart, blue for the Immaculate Conception, and white mm-hmm. for purity. And Indeed. let us also not forget illness. Secular feast of the United States that we are, we have been consecrated to the Immaculate Conception here in the United States. Yes, I, I realize that Our Lady of of um, Guadalupe is the patroness of the Americas in general, but you know, America, America first. We don't care about international stuff. America first, and we are consecrated to the Immaculate Conception, and it's still the same Mary either way. But red, white, and blue should have real signal, uh, real theological significance for us in the future hopefully sooner than later, and um, it is probably not um, insignificant that the National Cathedral in the United, or in Washington, D.C. is the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception, which was approved, I want to say, shortly before the death of uh, Pius X, um, ah. that that was going to be built and so named.
1: And that the rector of the Basilica of the um, Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C., be removed and that he repent of his life of sodomy and that he eventually that he repent uh, revert to Catholicism if that's what he needs, or just or just repent, die well someday, and someday achieve the pietific vision. His name is um, I believe Walter Rossi, ROSSI, and he's a very, very, very bad man right now, extraordinarily troubled, horrific sodomite. Um, facilitator of of you know sodomitical predation and so on and so forth, and he's the rector of the basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington D.C. So we should pray for him as well.
0: So, despite the fact that there are many unsavory things that we could say and do say about the United States of America, given its founding, given its current trajectory, given the people who are in places of power, at the same time, let us not forget that you can love your country and. Follow the guidance of the fourth commandment to be patriotic, but not necessarily at the same time adhering to the errors by which your country was founded. We want everyone to go to heaven. That includes our country uh, or, or everybody in our country. And countries are judged.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Countries will be judged. I mean, the most prolific example in the scriptures is Sodom and Gomorrah. They were judged and countries will get their judgment and, and get their justice in this world. Uh, What in the world has Germany done to get two world wars on their doorstep within 30, 40 years of each other? What about France being overrun twice? The United States at this point, if we don't get a massive, massive um, dose of justice for our sins, it's been said that Sodom and Gomorrah are going to be owed an apology.
1: Owed an apology, absolutely. And we have the technology. Mankind has the technology to make it, uh, unbearable. And it, it isn't just that we have the technology um, for destruction. It's the it's precisely the fact that we have the technology for running water, et cetera, et cetera, you know, um, petroleum-based transport, so on and so forth, that if it, all it would require is taking that technology away, and that's, you know, an episode where we go back to talking about um, prepping and, you know, electromagnetic pulse things and, and doomsday scenarios like that. It isn't just that we have the technology to, to yield massive destruction in terms of nuclear armaments and so forth. It's the fact that we're all now completely dependent upon the good technologies that we do have. Um, take away the running water and take away the ability to move commodities. And you can see a 90% death rate within what is the EMP book would estimates that it was ninety percent within a year and a half or something like that. Just just horrific. So yeah, we've got it coming. We're spreading our heirs. The heirs of Russia. I mean ultimately the heirs that we are spreading are the heirs of Russia because we were invaded and infiltrated in the early 20th century by by communist infiltrators and so forth. And well, so that was really- that was
0: one of my points actually in, in the notes is are the errors of Russia different than the errors of Freemasonry? No, and, and who, I don't think so. And who promulgated these first? I mean, we did. The French, the French Revolution definitely did more in Europe, and they set the, the ground, and the, the intellectuals over there went hog wild with it, and that led to Lenin and the overthrow of the, the czars and, and the institution of communist Russia. But the errors really are Freemasonic. We may not the- be the most virulent strain of the, of the disease, but we definitely were one of the first citable symptoms.
1: I don't know if you define it as self-worship, um, boy, it's, it's hard to argue that a- American culture at this point isn't the most narcissistic, hedonistic. Um, well, even just I the guess. whole
0: idea of rugged individualism, isn't that you know, not a, a, a species of looking in on yourself? I just watched a video recently. I'll put this in the show notes. Why, didn't, why did Home Depot fail so spectacularly in China? They made this huge investment, bought 12 stores. They tried to open 12 more and they lost every penny because there's just no interest in China for the growing middle class and those becoming rich to do things yourself. That's considered, if you do something yourself in China, they say, well, why couldn't you hire somebody to do it for you? Uh, It's not a virtue for them to do that. And perhaps in Europe prior to all of the revolutionary spirit, the whole idea of why would you do it yourself? That's what peasants do because they can't hire anybody to do it. Whereas in the United States, do it yourself. You look to yourself, in on yourself. You are the the center of your your universe. If you decide something is good, you do it. That's very kind of diabolic. I, I literally feel that's diabolic.
1: <laughs> but is it? <laughs> you didn't up you didn't up up talk at the end of that. So no, I can't. <laughs> that, do doesn't that. Count. that doesn't count. I might count. be
0: wearing Birkenstocks, but I can't up talk.
1: Oh, dear. Oh, dear.
0: No, these are orthotic. (laughs) I have bad arch support.
1: Tell us about your feet, super nerd. Everybody wants to hear about
0: that. (laughs) We just talked about Birkenstocks in the last episode, too. And I think I probably chimed in on people wearing Birkenstocks. And then um, a doctor who was opining on my feet and my back and, and other things said, you need better arch supports and Birkenstocks are good ones. So I'm just rolling my eyes saying, "Okay, yeah, these are the things that hippies and American lesbians wear. But okay, fine. I'll wear them, too.
1: Okay, there's your comeuppance. That's good for you. A little humiliation puts hair on your chest. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: On, on that, that point. happy
1: mode, <laughs> I, think, I think we should all go outside and set things on fire and explode things. I yes. think that's the best possible path forward at this point.
0: And send the videos of these blowing things up to, or any other feedback you have of the podcast to podcast at barnhart.biz. And remember that uh, uh, masses for Anne's benefactors, including people who blow their fingers off today, are mm. every single day of the week. And hopefully this doesn't apply to anybody because of fireworks, but uh, there's a requiem every single week as well. Please pray for these mass or for these priests they definitely need our prayers and um usually i say something a little more eloquent and poetic but um just pray for the priest darn it they need our prayers whether they're saying masses for you or not they are our means of salvation Uh, yeah and go to
1: confession go to confession guys make a point to do it this week this month but try to do it this week Uh, you know within the next within the next seven days try to get it done
0: well, not to brag, but I went this morning because I figured the feast the feast of, well, the American feast, I say that in your quotes, of independence ought to also line up with independence from sin. But um, ah, very it, good. it works out. It's easy to remember, too, because its it can be odd at times. Like I get into the confessionals like, how many weeks has it been? Two, three, four? I don't remember. I mean, anyway, I should keep notes better. Um, Let's go to something I actually have notes on. Um, The Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you found something of value in this or previous episodes and would like to return some value, uh, please visit supernerdmedia.com for more details, which is what Arthur, Craig, Gene, Franklin, Erica, Brian, it's been a while since we did this before, Camille, Donald, Robin, and Blaine did uh, via the PayPal account, Richard via the mailbox, and we had the, or I had, I set up the initiative during June for supporting the sisters who took care of Tiny Princess, and Erica, again... And Damien and Robin sent uh, donations in for that. So thank you very much. I'm gonna oh, be nice. dropping off a uh, donation to the sisters probably this weekend. and um, again, thank you very much and I know they definitely appreciate it so you might be hearing from them as well. And Matthew 1720 in terms of um, things founded on false base premises like the United States Constitution.
1: hold your ticket. Thank you. The Matthew 1720 intention, persistence, 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 folks, pray that um, anti-Pope Bergoglio be publicly recognized as being an anti-Pope and the whole thing be nullified. That Pope Benedict XVI Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope since April of 2005. That anti-Pope Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace and someday achieve the beatific vision and that Pope Benedict Ratzinger repent of anything he needs to repent of die in a state of grace and someday achieve the beatific vision. And may may I just put in a word um, myself of thanks for the um, subscription slash donation drive, which went on all through the month of June. I I cannot thank everyone enough for your extreme, extreme munificence thank you so much. God bless you. We're keeping up the fight. And um, yeah, it's, it's it's just wonderful. So we're no longer going to have the little icon in the show notes of the Big Mac, the stale Big Mac maneuver. I think it, it it's played out. So now we're just going to, the little icon, that will be down there in the bottom is, of course, it has to be the infant Jesus of Prague. We'll just put him down there and he'll be hanging out and you you guys will know why he's there and what that means.
0: Sounds awesome. And in terms of being faithful, we played into the uh, the episode with the Liberty Bell March, which some of you might recognize as the Monty Python theme, which I <laughs> figured was appropriate because we're going to be talking about America and theology in the same sense, which sounds like a farce. But mm-hmm. we're going to be playing out with Semper Fidelis, which is the march uh, also written by John Philip Sousa. And that's our goal. We want to be faithful and not to the American ideal, but to the eternal ideal. We want to want to see you in heaven and that's what we're going to be trying to be faithful to so until next time i am super nerd
1: and i'm ann thanks guys god bless and semper fi